For me, home was always a place that was safe. And a year ago, I had two big Russian bodyguards outside my door. I mean, you know, I said, this is not safe. So what is home then? You know, what is art and what, what can't I do? What can I do? Hello and welcome to Dispersion. Dispersion is a podcast by the Zorian Institute that analyzes and celebrates both the diverse and common experiences of diasporas living away from their homeland. I'm your host, Jan Haddo. This week on Dispersion, I am joined by Atta Magoyan and Deepa Mehta. Born in Egypt to Armenian parents, Atta moved to Canada at an early age and was raised in Victoria, BC. He developed an early interest in drama and continues to work in theatre and opera with upcoming productions at Pacific Opera Victoria, the Montreal Opera, and the Canadian Opera Company. His 18 features have won two Academy Award nominations and five prizes at the Cannes Film Festival, including the Grand Prize and two International Critics Awards. Deepa is an Oscar-nominated filmmaker. Her films include the Elemental Trilogy, Earth, Fire, Water, which received an Oscar nomination for Best Foreign Language Film, Bollywood slash Hollywood, Heaven on Earth, Midnight's Children, based on Salman Rushdie's three-time Booker Prize-winning novel, and Anatomy of Violence. Deepa directed the pilot and second episode for the Netflix original series, Layla, and the pilot episode, The Manager, for Apple TV's Little America. Her latest feature film, Funny Boy, based on the award-winning novel by Shaiman Seladuri, received awards for Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Original Score, and Best Director at the 2021 Canadian Screen Awards. So before we dive into today's episode, for those who are maybe less familiar with Atom Radipa's work, I thought it would be helpful to share some background information on two of the films that come up quite often in our discussion today. The first is Ararat, released in 2002 and directed by Atom Magoyan. Ararat is a contemporary story of the making of a historical epic about the Armenian Genocide, which took place between 1915 and 1918. The storyline follows how the making of the film transforms the life of an 18-year-old man hired as a driver on the production. The second film, Funny Boy, released in 2020, is a drama film directed by Deepa Mehta. An adaption of Shaiman Salvadori's 1994 novel, the film centers on the coming of age of a young Tamil boy in Sri Lanka who comes to terms with his homosexuality among increased tensions between Tamil and Sinhalese people before the breakout of the Sri Lankan Civil War. The film faced controversy surrounding the casting decisions of non-Tamil and non-Sri Lankan actors in lead roles. Thank you both so much for joining us today. I'm really excited for our conversation. Thank you. Thank you. So Adam and Deepa, both active figures on the Canadian film landscape, and with them today, we'll be exploring the importance of representation in media, identity formation through the arts, as well as the role that film and media can play in developing a homeland-hostland connection. So the study of diaspora is, of course, a largely academic exercise, and the focus of the Institute's work on diaspora is largely academic. It's qualitative, it's theoretical, but there is also an inherently emotional and sentimental aspect of diasporas. So when we combine this emotive element with the sensory experience of the arts, we can truly discover so much more about what it means to be part of a diaspora. And this is the intersection, that relationship, that combination that will be the focus of today's episodes. Our guests will share their personal experiences as diaspora members and the ways in which they have used arts to explore the diasporic experience. So Deepa, I'd like to get started with you. You have a wonderfully succinct phrase that I've seen quoted quite a few places, which is the power of cinema is that it can start a dialogue. Can you tell us a little bit more about what this conclusion means to you, how you came to it, and maybe in the process, talk us through your background and your career journey? You know, I don't know. I, when I think of 
films, I mean, Adam, maybe it's different for you. I just, the thing, the films that I, I want to make, I have very few expectations. When I was growing up and I told my dad that I didn't want to pursue my career in, in philosophy and in academics and wanted to become a filmmaker, he said, fine. He was a film distributor and uh, he, you know, so I'd grown up with films, but he said, remember two things in life you never will know about. One is you'll never know when you will die. And the other is you will never know how your film will be received. <laughs> you know, so I thought, not bad, you know, and, but somehow it has stayed with me. So I think that after that, I've always felt that if it, if a film I do, whether people hate it or love it or are indifferent to it, if it invokes something in them to want to talk about it, that's the most I can hope for. Because I really do take what my father said very seriously. And Asim, do you relate to this statement? Has this dialogue creation fueled your career in film and the arts? And, and in the process, maybe tell us a little bit more about your career trajectory. Well, it's very interesting. I mean, I'm very, I'm very happy to have this conversation with Deepa because, you know, we've had we've had similar but wildly different uh, sort of experiences with this idea. Uh, you know, Deepa was was really raised outside of this country. My experience is different. My family came when I was very young, uh, and I was raised in Victoria, British Columbia, which is uh, really there were no other Armenian families there. We were very, very uh, unusual. And I was aware that we were very different and that there were many different things that were projected onto me, uh, what I could be. I could be Jewish, I could be Italian, I could be Arab, I could be any one of a number of things. And no one knew what an Armenian was. So, uh, and I didn't really feel like explaining it to anyone because it was um, one of the reasons my parents moved to Victoria was, was to assimilate, was to get away from the from the predominant community, which was in Montreal, all my the rest of my family, my, my all my cousins, my uncles, my aunts, they're all in Montreal. They still are, but my parents were artists, so uh, and they really had this dream of uh, having a successful life as artists in 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 Canada, which didn't work out for them. And so, you know, I, I was aware of the difficulty of becoming an artist and 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 that it would be a challenge so the way that uh, it was it's moving to hear deepa's uh, reflections on what her father said because i think i also inherited a lot from my parents in terms of this anxiety of trying to be like others and knowing that you're not knowing that there's something very different in your background and i tried to express this in my early films like mm. for sure but also i i my ideas of what it meant to be armenian were also film images right there were these very important films that i saw at a certain point and they were uh, films that were maybe not widely embraced by other Armenians because they're not easy films, but they gave me a sense of what the spirit and the the richness of the culture was. And so that dialogue uh, that uh, that Deepa refers to was very important to me in establishing my own sense of uh, an Armenian identity, even though it was a certainly a diasporic identity. Mm-hmm. Mm, and that leads me well into my next question. And Atom, maybe you can build off this because you just mentioned it. But how did you come to feature diaspora themes in your work? Was it a quite personal choice to explore that on your own? Or did you want to see these ideas, these experiences represented on a broader stage, so to say? That's a great question. Uh, there was none of that uh, in, in at the time. The, the sense that we're feeling now of people uh, having the need uh, to tell their story because it's uh, it's been denied, um, which I completely support. Like, uh, you know, there are all these narratives that we've never really been exposed to. 
and this is a time of great change and revolution in the arts for that reason, displacement for some. Many people are feeling threatened by that. But when I started making my first features, they were just very personal stories. They were the personal stories of what I was feeling. And so they were dealing with these issues of, uh, of a multicultural care, uh, uh, place. Mm. Um, and they were dealing with notions of how culture could be um, extinguished, exterminated. You know, like there was in these characters, I could see now with my second feature, my first feature. These themes are very obvious, very, very prominent. But they weren't done because I felt um, the society needed them, which is quite different from the way things are. I don't know how you feel about this, Deepa. Like, do, did you feel that, that you had a mission to teach um, people around you like what these, what, what, these, what these conditions were that you were raised with? Or were they, was it more, I don't know. Like, I, we, never, we never talked about this, Deepa. Where, how would you locate your, your source? It's not uh, dissimilar than from yours because... Uh... I never felt that I was going to. I was doing work to to either define myself or place myself somewhere or talk about uh, where I came from and and why it was essential for me. They were also very personal stories. My first two ones were about my immigrant experience. Sam and me was about what it was like to be an immigrant. I mean, yeah. but it was all immigrant men, which is sort of interesting now because. I'd probably be lynched now for doing stories about men being a woman, but that's you know that's what what really intrigued me. What happens to yeah. because it was the men who actually came from India first, and then they got married, and then the wives came. But it all started with uh, with with a rather misogynist view of life, and that's what intrigued me. So they were personal stories. They weren't. I wasn't about. They weren't about wanting to change the world. It was. They were based on curiosity, more than yeah. anything else. About my homeland that I'd left. What it meant to be an immigrant. What it meant to be a woman. What it meant to be a lesbian. What it meant not to be accepted by society. I think that was, for me, the underlying quest for all on all my films. They were very personal. And you see, this is what's interesting. So Deep and I met really, or we've met maybe before, but I remember very clearly in Cannes in 1991. So Deepa was there with Sam and me, and I was there with The Adjuster. Mm -hmm. And I think of two more different types of films dealing with this notion of uh, what it meant to be other. Because mm -hmm. it's woven into The Adjuster, uh, but it's very buried, you know, and it's like, it's not very explicit, but, but it's there to be animal. I, I felt it was Adam. Yeah. And, and uh, Sam and me is, is really tonally very different. But I think what we both have experienced is that we made these early films, which are very personal. And then we uh, got to a place where we were making films and we were aware that we were presenting an agenda, maybe because we understood that uh, we have this platform, which which uh, so when when Deepa makes Heaven and Earth, I mean, there's these issues that she has to talk about as a filmmaker, uh, dealing you know with domestic violence in the immigrant community. Or when I make a film like Ararat, suddenly yeah. I'm aware that suddenly these films are issue movies, right? Like they are. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's not to say that they're less personal, but uh, they're less. Um, how can I say? You're conscious of maybe some of the representations that you that if you portray things in a certain way, do you consider um, the statement you're making? Is, is that a more conscious decision these days? I don't know what it is. Uh, that's an interesting question, but I, I don't know if it's that as much as for me, it, I don't know what you feel, Adam. For me, it was that, yes, it was like, okay, these were personal issues and 
uh, you know, heaven and earth or became, certainly, yes, it was a platform that I felt more confident about exploring. And as my interests became, I think, more honed, I think that's a better word for me. Uh, I also got to, I grew up in, in a way and realized that uh, my personal stories actually became more, uh, I don't know, the spectrum grew somehow. And I, right. I grew in confidence, perhaps, and didn't feel that self-conscious about that only my truth was the only truth. I felt I could explore more. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. And it leads me wonderfully into my next question, Deepa. Maybe you can talk to this a little bit. But being a filmmaker and portraying these stories, you've both talked about how you've moved through your personal stories and then how this has become, Adam, like you said, broader part of agendas. So how has this actually impacted your experience? So your identity, your relationship with your now homeland of Canada and with your hostland. And you both have quite different diaspora experiences. So I'd love to hear how the impact on identity formation and maybe even the evolution as you've moved through your careers. Well, I can say that I never thought I would be a spokesperson for the Armenian community. I, I never thought that I would be the go-to person. Like it felt uh, unlikely if you ask, you know, the, the, the young filmmaker version of myself. But, you know, I've noticed now that, you know, when things happen, I'm the person that is contacted and I'm expected to have an opinion. And that's uh, something I, I think it was it happened around the time of uh, Ararat, you know, where I, I realized that uh, I needed to present this historic issue, even though the film itself is, is, is full of ambiguities and things that are left, you know, really unresolved. When it came to the platform, uh, I needed to be very clear. So this to me was a splitting in terms of uh, how I identify myself as an artist, because I, I'm much more comfortable in the world of the abstract and the and the maybe the what's open to interpretation but then when i'm a spokesperson i have to be quite strident sometimes mm. and I, I also feel it's a responsibility mm. absolutely and, and deepa for you how has working in the arts and developing films that tell such personal stories has that changed your relationship with your homeland and your hostland i thought it had but it hasn't i mean you know uh, when a film, when I did Water, I mean, uh, you know, suddenly I was labeled uh, and it was stopped by, by the government at that point, the Indian government, and we had to stop filming, etc., because it was supposed to be, it was labeled as being anti, anti-Hindu anti and uh, and literally we were shut down by the army. Uh, I, I was just in despair because uh, I'd never, you know, for me, India, I was born in India, I was raised in India, I went to school there, I went to university there, my family is still there. It's a very important part of my life. And uh, suddenly to be sort of rejected was re a real shock in a way, uh, because it was uh, it was the end of, uh, of a very important era and the beginning of my embracing Canada. I never thought of Canada as a host land as much as I, I felt I was a Canadian till then by, by chance or by, you know, not by choice. Uh, but that you know, what is a homeland and what's not? And is rejection of your work, does it make you and make you somebody who's expelled from their country? Because, I mean, I feel I was expelled with Funny Boy from Canada. So where do I belong? So I don't know about homeland and hostland and where one's loyalty belong as far as the work that you do is concerned. And uh, all I know is at this point in my life, I think that all art is political. 
Yeah, too dichotomous to have those two options. And I think that is what's fascinating about studying diaspora. And this is a huge part of this podcast, to apply lived experiences to theories, which Homeland Hostland essentially is, and to see maybe the what we're, we're glossing over, right? That not everyone is going to comfortably fit into that homeland, hostland, neat little boxes. Atom, how is that for you? Well, look, it's, here's also what's, what, what's very interesting about this dialogue. Uh, India is, is a country, but it's built up of at least 40 different languages and, and different sort of nations in a sense, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Uh, uh, Armenia is quite monolithic. However, uh, it's, a, of course, split between what's w- considered Western Armenia and Eastern Armenia. Western Armenia, where my grandparents were from, was eradicated. Like it was eradicated by genocide, and and there's no traces of it the, of Armenians on that land anymore. But there is a, a thriving Eastern Armenia in what is a country now called Armenia, and obviously there's been a war this past fall, and obviously that territory is is in flux. But but it's it, it's we're talking about very different experiences. So. Um, uh, I made a film called Ararat, which is dealing with this notion of a relationship to a traces which are no longer there, which have been mm-hmm. wiped off. And a film called Calendar, which is very much about the relationship to to Armenia proper, and you know, a very modest film, but very succinct in terms of what the what those three states of Armenian identity are between the diasporic, between the person who lives in Armenia, and the person who's assimilated and and, and outside of contact with their community. But, you know, Deepa, if she was to tell you the story of what happened with Funny Boy, I mean, you know, we are now living in a time where it's so difficult to know what you're representing and who has the right to represent. So Deepa makes a wonderful film, really, like such a liberating film, such a, an open invitation to acceptance and to, uh, you know, and, and has cast someone who makes a very brave choice, you know, to be in the film as, as, a, as an actor who's out, who's a Sri Lankan, who... But then gets pilloried by the by the Sri Lankan community, or uh, uh, sorry, the the Tamil community. Sorry, uh, excuse me, I meant Tamil, uh, because she she is not Tamil herself, right? Mm. And this this was very painful. I went through this with her, and it, 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 and it's very unusual, like to think about where we were at the beginnings of our careers, because I don't think we would have been imagining these these uh, very, um, I would say, almost bewildering <laughs> responses right Deepa? Uh, totally I mean you know and uh, I I don't think I, I would have thought that funny boy and thank you for saying such kind things about it but you know I'm so divorced from it because what is you know Sri Lankan Tamil I mean we're talking about identity you know it's different in North North Sri Lanka it's different in Eastern Sri Lanka and and I'm not Tamil, but neither is the writer of the book Tamil. He's half Sinhalese. So it's very confusing. And, and a subject that is so about, about liberation in a way, becomes, it becomes a, a hangman's noose. Hmm. And the thought that we, we aren't free to do what we want to because it, it is attractive or, you know, it, it resonates with us because... Either I'm not I'm not I'm not a guy, so I can't make a film about a guy. I'm not white, so I can't make a film about white people. I mean, what? I mean, I can. What can I do? It's better not to do anything, no? Yeah. So this is very interesting, right? So so this is where we both are. I mean, we haven't talked about this. Uh, we we owe each other a, a long dinner or a drink. Absolutely, Adam. But but really, I mean, this is I'm in this place too. Like I'm I'm wondering like 
I mean, I have these ideas. I have all these stories I want to tell. But for the first time, I'm wondering, am I the right person? Uh, do I have the right to tell this story? And in a way, this is so strange as an artist because, I mean, you, we should be able at some level to tell whatever story moves us and that we're drawn to. But there is a very strict code now. Yeah. And, and, and so th there's even a code of diaspora, you know, which is... Totally, <laughs> yes. Which, which is nothing I, I, I never thought of before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, do I have the right to, to tell my very personal version of what it means to be a diasporic artist because I'm so much more assimilated, say, or I'm, I've had a very different upbringing than most of the Armenians who have, would come to Canada. And I'm not saying that, that I don't, I don't have, I've not had been attacked the same way that Deepa has, but I do remember when I made Ararat that there was a lot of uh, a lot of anger in the community as to why I made the film so so complexly. Why did I have to tell it that way? Why why couldn't I have just shown it very simply? You know, like the, the, this is what happened, and and it was odd because I was being attacked by it from the the community uh, for being uh, you know creating a piece of propaganda, and, and yet Armenians like were also attacking me at the same time. And propaganda, by definition, has to be simple. <laughs> I was resisting, you know, the, the you know the term like to be labeled propaganda just by making a very complex work. But you know, there's the work itself, and there's the there's what exists in people's imagination. With when 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 Deepa was being attacked for her last film, it was by people who had not seen the film. They were they were attacking it for something they imagined, and and this is a privilege that people allow themselves to do now, and with social media. This becomes a real thing. You know, it's not marginalized. These are real attacks. These are real, uh, 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 almost uh, campaigns that are being mounted against your work that you have no control over. And it's... Totally. I mean... Bewildering. 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 And, and you know, so when you talk about what is homeland, what is ghostland, in a way, it sounds so uh, so unrelated to uh, my, my reality or... Adam understands that because he was very kind to me during this hard time. But, you know, there's a wonderful quote that I love from Brecht, which says something that art is not what mirrors reality, but a hammer that shapes it. And that is completely gone. You know, what can we do as artists? I mean, does it what and whose reality? So, uh, you know, hostland, homeland, diaspora mean very little to me now because I'm struggling with a very simple question, which is, what can I do that I want to do where I will not be crucified? And that is not, that's not the role of a filmmaker or an artist. Don't you think, Adam? I don't know. Well, I mean, it's interesting because I think we spent our, our careers, early careers, imagining um, a reputation we're going to make. Yeah. And then you can see it's so easily demolished, right? You know, it, and you're uh, pilloried. Uh, and you go, okay, so what does that even mean, having a reputation? Or like, you know, so it, it's, uh, but I go back to the, I go back to where we were at, 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 around the time we met in Cannes and, you know, 91. And I think that uh, we both love film. You know, we both love making films. We're both happy when we make these films and when these films are telling stories which are, which resonate with us. This is what we do as artists. And uh, I, I think that, uh you know, I, 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 I do believe it's easy to, to kind of just divorce yourself and say, uh, okay, it's, it's a time where I can't even imagine what I should be making. 
and maybe that's maybe that's true. Maybe this is a period where we just have to kind of sit back a little bit and and let and let uh, and let these forces kind of like have their way because it's unimaginable that we're going to be in this place forever. It feels anti-art. For me, I, I, it's been many years, but I, the film of yours that I keep on going back to is that incredible. What what we're talking about right now is the sea, is the shot in Exotica, the search, you know, mm-hmm. the fields, and that's what I feel we are where we are right now. We're we're searching for a body, but actually we're searching for art and what what happened to it. Yeah, well, I mean, I I just think it's it's being reformed and and it's being formed in a in a way that we wouldn't have imagined. And I do think that there are. Uh, I also think it's you know it's being it's being disseminated in a different way. Like we we come from the pantheon of what cinema is. Cinema is a place where people gather. They're, they they've committed themselves to a, a a place where they will collectively watch something for an hour and a half, two hours, two and a half hours. But you know that is a time that they've committed, yeah. and so they will, they will they they are concentrated on that. And it's a, a very particular type of dialogue. Going back to what we were saying before, it's a dialogue where they it's meditative, it's ruminative, it's 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 they're they're trying to negotiate these images that are unspooling. Um, in a way that they have no control over, but their imagination is interacting with, and their um, and it's a very beautiful alchemy. But that's not the way films are shown anymore, right? So it's it's dissipated, you know, and it's uh, people's attention spans aren't the same. So in a way, maybe you know, as as feature filmmakers, we're like like people who used to paint f- frescoes. <laughs> It's a bit out of fashion. Right? It's shifting, right? You're feeling it change. Definitely, definitely. I think it's very funny. I love that painting frescoes. <laughs> yes. It's interesting to me to hear you both share your experiences because, as you know, the Institute deals mainly with the academic side of diaspora. And you've both raised really poignant points about the limitations of those definitions and, and how everyone will relate to those or not relate to them at all differently. So it's, this is why it's so fascinating to talk about art and diaspora, because I think it is a, such a different experience. In terms of representation, Atom, you, brought, you both brought up some good points about what, what, can you, you know, what can you develop, what can you work on right now? Whereas I don't know that the same questions uh, have to be asked by academics who write about diasporic experiences or diaspora theories, that the qualities that you have to possess seem to be just a bit different. Let's say, for instance, again, I mean, looking at Deepa's work, you know, which has touched uh, a, a few times on this question of partition, right? So partition, a partition to me is a bit like the historical event of Holocaust. Everyone knows what happened. Mm-hmm. Like there's a, it, it's, it's almost a, uh, how can I say, it's a, it's a template, right? Uh, so So you don't have to explain the details of it because we understand, you know, what happened with, with, you know, with with India and with the partition, and 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 how people were torn between these two sides, and um, but I always find, you know, my difficulty is is when you talk about Armenianness, it's just like the history is so uh, obscure to most people. Mm-hmm. In this last war, you know, like it's so difficult to explain what was happening territorially, and it's so difficult to for people to to inhabit that. And so as an artist, you know, how do you even begin to, like, uh, with, with Ararat, you know, we had this, you know, device of a character, the young man coming back from Turkey. It's a bit forced, right? But it's the only way I could imagine that this history could actually be explained uh, in the course of the drama. 
you know, uh, so this is the other issue that I find, um, you know, with my particular background, it's that uh, uh, even the question of like uh, when you're dealing with genocide issues, like people know generally now about the Armenian genocide, but they don't understand, you know, the 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 the, the caustic, you know, like effects of, of the denial of it, right? Like what 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 it means when you have a, a perpetrating sort of you know state that that doesn't deny, that doesn't accept that this actually happened, and so that's very difficult for people to imagine. Except now, of course, we are dealing with this, right? As a as a, as a Canadian nation, I mean, we are dealing with this, you know, like like generations of denial, and so suddenly that that has a, there's a there's a clarity to that, there's an urgency to it. So this is the other thing that's wonderful about film, as opposed to when I do the operas or the theater pieces, which are which are actually ephemeral, like they disappear after after their time. But films do last. So even though we have these terrible experiences to talk about, uh, Funny Boy will last. Uh, you know, like and, and and water certainly has lasted, and and these these struggles that we've had making them, and and the battles we've had. I mean, they kind of we can talk about them, but 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 what's wonderful is that is that the films actually persist, and that you know that that they can be studied and they can be you know seen in the context of these stories we're telling, but or not. You know, there are people who just will watch them and and not know uh, the particular way that they interacted with the society that showed these films at their time. And that's, that's reassuring. Don't you think Deepa, don't you think that's reassuring that, that, you know, we can watch these, you know, like, like these great masterpieces of cinema that uh, we see, I rewatch, I re replenish myself with, you know, when I, when I despair, I, I go back and I watch a great film and I go, wow, this is amazing. It still is so, it's, it's so present. It's so direct. Mm -hmm. It feels as though, um, it could have, not that it could have been made like yesterday, because that's not the issue, but just that I feel that there's a transmission between what the artist wanted to say and what I'm receiving as a viewer. And that to me is such a sacred transmission. You know, I, I totally get that because um, this is the sort of the centenary of uh, Satyajit Ray. And uh, I, I sort of uh, made it up because I, I love his work. And, and he is one of the greatest, great humanist filmmakers of the world for me. And, uh, you know, whether it's a film like Devi, which is about, you know, yeah. an Indian woman being elevated in the 19th century to the position of a goddess and what happens and the dissemination of all of that. It has such relevance and resonance, even though it's set in another time and it's set in a small town outside in Bengal. It's beauty and it's truth and it's humanity is yes. so relevant today to anything, or whether you see Victoria de Sica's, I mean, the the Garden of the Vinci Contini was the one that really inspired me to do Funny Boy. And, uh, you know, you see that and you just say, my God, what resonance. So there is that, Adam, you're absolutely right, that lasting impact of of cinema, of purity, of truth. So so if I see, like, uh, what it's funny, you're mentioning uh, Sachi Adres. So if I watch... Uh, Pathar Pachali. Yeah. There no other depiction of what shelter means. The storm scene in that film. Oh, wow. Yeah. It plays my mind all the time. And I go, that's what shelter, you know, what it means not to have shelter, right? Yeah. And, and so these are direct, you know, these are searing images that, that, that just uh, become a part of who you are. And you're right. They're deeply humanist. And it needs to be said. When the when when Ray was making these films, it's not as though the Bengali community 
accepted these movies. So he was a, a kind of considered to be a very marginal filmmaker within his own community. Also, one of the things that really hurt him uh, was that he was accused by Indians, by not all Indians, but but uh, uh, by many Indians as as being catering to the West, catering with, uh, you know, all his films are for, so they could go and be seen by Westerners because, of course, they did not, uh, in their view, uh, in any way, say anything truthful about India. I mean, it was, he was really, yeah. it was so sad and it really hurt him because uh, here he was, who was, he was a filmmaker who was a purist. Yeah, and so 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 my example there is Parajanov, Sergei Parajanov, who, yes. uh, you know, uh, Sayadnova, the color of pomegranates. Yes, it's like this beautiful, beautiful piece of work. But again, it was rejected at the time. It, like Armenians didn't understand it, or they felt it was too exotic, or that it was too abstract. And and now, like there's a, there's a museum full <laughs> of work in Yerevan, and so it's it's like so maybe artists have always had these issues, you know, like maybe this isn't so specific. Like we think it's really uh you know i think what it is though is that we had this period golden period uh in our early careers where we really felt we could tell any stories we wanted we never questioned whether or not we were the right people to tell the stories that were exciting us and that's i think what's unusual about this moment that that has given us both pause i'm wondering like okay what is if i want to tell a story about uh, what it means to be an armenian a member of the armenian diaspora in canada right now mm -hmm. wouldn't i be more interested to know what 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 the uh, 25 year old version of me uh who, who now lives in this community wouldn't isn't it time to hear that story so, so, and, and I can't disagree with that. I mean, one part of me goes, okay, I, I do understand that. That's, uh, that's what's uh, it's bewildering about all of this is that I do understand it. And yeah. I feel that, um, yes, why not explore it? And good for you for having the courage to say it as it is. But yeah. uh, there's also what, there is sort of a narrowing of it. I don't know. Sometimes I feel I'm caught in the cultural revolution, you know, um, and uh, it's it's not a very pleasant feeling, but you know why it happened, you know, and I, I do understand it. And uh, going back to that homeland thing, I mean, I really did think that in Canada, you, you could be whatever you wanted to be. And whatever you wanted to be was fine. I mean, I was really naive. And perhaps that's good to break that, that sort of that image that I had of Canada of being a safe place, because for me, home was always a place that was safe. And a year ago, I had two big Russian bodyguards outside my door. I mean, you know, I said, this is not safe. So what is home then? You know, what is art? And what, what can't I do? What can I do? Yeah, Deepa, many of your films, um, Heaven on Earth, Bollywood, Hollywood, they explore what I would say are complex negotiations, if that's the right term, that people are faced with when they are at an intersection of different cultures. So was there something specific that encouraged you to explore these kind of stories where there is tension or there is a back and forth between cultural experiences or cultural, I don't want to say responsibilities, but things that tie us to cultures? Um, and why do you think it's important to share these stories of people struggling with these experiences? I don't think it was important, actually, to tell the stories. I just wanted to tell them. Right. I didn't say, oh, I'm going to tell an important story. I just, I really wanted to, ex it was curiosity, actually, Jen, uh, about about what what happens. I mean, I'd heard 
I've heard horror stories about what happens to immigrant women uh, from India who come here and who and domestic violence, and they have nowhere to go to. They have nobody to turn to. They don't know the language. They don't know where to go. They haven't even heard of shelters. So you know that that I didn't feel I was doing something that was socially responsible. This was something that I really wanted to explore for myself, because it has to start with yourself. You no know? exploration, curiosity. Uh, but I never felt um, that I was. I had a responsibility. Bollywood, Hollywood is, is is you know was done because water was shut down, and I was so I was in such despair when I came back to Canada. I wanted to do something that was, uh, you know, funny and silly. You know, there was nothing cultural about it. It was just being silly, and it was fun. It, silly is good, uh, you know. But heaven on earth was definitely different. And Atom, in a similar fashion, your films, you've already mentioned a couple specifically, have explored, I would say, a compounded experience of returning to a homeland when you've never lived in, as well as transgenerational trauma, which is a huge thing uh, academically in diaspora studies as well. So a similar question to you, was there something that encouraged you to explore these stories or that you felt you needed to share them? Or, or like Deepa, were you guided by a really personal almost like itch to explore and to, to represent? Well, in my case, uh, you know, I, when I, I was in my early 20s, I, I wrote this, uh, it was a Western kind of, my version of a Western set during the time of the Armenian Genocide. And it was this uh, uh, set in this uh, American mission in the heart of uh, the city of Van. And uh, there was, this, you know, it was, it was, it was kind of a, a great, classic script and I, I I really wanted to write it but when the opportunity came to make a film about the genocide I, I went back and took this out of my drawer and looked at it and I, and I thought no this doesn't really represent what I feel uh, and and I thought well what what if I made that film as a film within the film that that, that film was being made in Toronto but you know there was this crisis that a young man who was working as a PA a driver who was Armenian whose job it was to drive the, the the person who plays the villain the you know like like he has a kind of a this this transformation through the watching these scenes being made and i thought that somehow feels more exciting to me and and more personal because it, it deals with this idea of transmission and how this event works through four different generations in the in the structure of the film between the the, the survivor, the child of a survivor, grandchild, great grandchild. But if I could if I could have all four of those generations uh, woven into this film, it, it would be more personal to my experience of it and perhaps more interesting. Even though I do, I am guilty of making it way too complex. I mean, you know if. It, you know, maybe that should it should have been written as a novel first, <laughs> but you know this is how it this is how it got made. But um, it was uh, it was very it was urgent to me to tell the story that way. It's, it's what got me excited about it, I, and and uh, and and then a, a small film like Calendar was just like you know it was really modestly done, but it was brilliant. It's so brilliant to this day. I mean, Jesus Christ. You know what? I'm going to quote you. It's so brilliant, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Deepa, if you're comfortable, would you share with the audience just a little bit more about what happened with Funny Boy and its reception? And just fill us in a little bit. You've both shared some of the experiences 
um, and how difficult it's been. What happened with Funny Boy is is tragic in a way, and yet it isn't because uh, it really is true. Um, it was unnecessary, but obviously necessary for some people who were who who for whom uh, the Tamil language accents weren't right or the casting of a of a Tamil boy by a burger, Sri Lankan wasn't right. And it was about representation and, and purity. And I get that. But it's also based on a book that is um, written by a Tamil who's, whose mother is a Sinhalese, you know. So it just it got really confusing for me. And uh, in a way, I think that um, it was hurtful. And that's what happened. It's about purity. And that's that's exactly where I am right now. That what can I do? What is what is I mean? Can I ever do a film which is about white people? Can I ever do a film again which is about men? Where does purity begin and where does it stand and where does it end? Where what is accountability? Who 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 is the judge of what is pure or not? What is a pure Tamil accent? Like I said, it's, it's different in different parts of the world and it's different even in Sri Lanka. So who is, who's the judge? I mean, the whole thing about being a judge, you know, or, or, or being somebody from a community who judges what is accurate is what scares me. Yeah, and, and you see, we also, like, here's an, another big difference between our, uh, our, our situations. Like Armenians, the one thing that, you know, like there's so many divisions within the Armenian community, but the one thing that is never observed is, you know, because as Armenians, we have many different uh, colors of skin, right? <laughs> Very dark Armenians. There's 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 totally white-skinned Armenians. But we never ever question uh, that as as a, as a as a sign of a how can I say of a there's no hierarchy at all within the community as to how dark what one may or may not be. But well, you can say well that's that's refreshing. On the other hand, we are an incredibly conservative community, <laughs> and and, and uh, there are so many gradations in terms of like what you like believe in religiously or politically. Uh, so, uh, you know, I I don't know if I can and can still say that I feel as a spokesperson that I represent what my community you know, believe. I, I'm not sure because especially now it's like after this, after, you know, the recent political events, you know, in the country, you know, it's not the time to have this kind of more folkloric sort of view of what the culture represents. Like there's very, very clear issues that need to be addressed. Right. I think that's fascinating when we think about the diasporic experience as well, because it is such a subjective, individual, personal experience, right? People from the same diaspora who settle in the same community may have wildly different experiences yeah, sure. and wildly different totally. relations as well. And that's, again, we come back to the whole hope of this podcast is to look at those differences and similarities, even when people have taken incredibly similar paths. So it's interesting to hear that uh, scrutiny is being reflected in the arts as well, that who, how do you represent diverse communities? How do you represent communities that are multifaceted and, and the experiences that people have when they leave communities sure and, and in the case of going back to funny boy i don't mean to kind of like uh, torture deepa but... <laughs> you aren't you aren't I, i'm over it <laughs> but, but the other thing that shocked me honestly was that you know like uh, deepa you didn't mention about about the actor right i mean oh, the actor no. 
the bravery of the actor. Oh, it was amazing. And how that how that was completely bulldozed into like like it, it, it no one you know all these people who are like you know really being so vigilant about you know uh, representation no one really addressed that like like how this actor had put himself on the line as well right totally I mean you know to be uh, to be homosexual in in uh, in Sri Lanka is a criminal offense and uh, for him. For the guy who played the lead, who is from Sri Lanka, but who is not Tamil, but he's a burger. A burger is another, you know, another uh, group in Sri Lanka. Put himself, said, I will do it. And he's gay. And he, he actually put himself out and played the lead. And suddenly there was this huge thing about queers from all over the world who are Tamil boycott funny boy. And I felt so bad, not for the film, but for Brandon who was so brave and is a Sri Lankan and he was queer and he was totally decimated. I just find that I so, so sad. Like I find it like incredible. Like this is a good example where you have a, a marginalized community who is activist and who's trying to, you know, raise a level of consciousness, but cannot see within themselves that this is a, a progressive move. You know, like, like that this is like, like and here's this, Here's this young man who's who's put himself out there. We become so obsessed with our own very specific issues yes. that we lose that kind of link of humanity, which allows us to even just cross a little bit, you know, like 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 even just make that little gesture across, let go of the orthodoxy of what identity means, and that's what we're talking about. It's like yeah. this, this kind of a it's it's almost a totalitarian sort of interpretation of what that that representation needs to mean. And, I say that knowing that we're in a time where, you know, uh, you would think all of those boundaries are being questioned. Right. So, like, while, while those boundaries are being questioned, like, uh, there are other orthodoxies that are somehow becoming uh, completely calcified. And so, so that's the paradox of this moment. That is absolutely the paradox. I mean, and I was thinking uh, while you were talking that, you know, there is something that I, I was thinking but. There is something that obviously unites us right now, and that is what's happening, you know, with all the the, the real horror of, um, you know, the, the the graves and and uh, and the residential schools. I mean, and and I think yes, of course, this should be told. These stories should be told, and and they're so important, and they are so moving, and it says so much about what we are as a country. Whether we are immigrants or whether we are hostlands or homeland, it's irrelevant. We're talking about the past, and that is now the future of this country. And uh, and I, I'm just sad that I I would never be allowed to even tell an aspect of that story. You know, and uh, and maybe that's right. Why should I? Yeah, this is how crazy it is, right? Yeah, we're, saying, yeah. we're, we're we're saying that how painful it is not to be able to think that we can do that, but then maybe it's right. Yeah, and I think we're just very confused. <laughs> I think so. But it could still be painful, right? That's uh, as artists, I understand that desire to to represent or to tell stories. That inherently, that's your passion for the both of you is to tell stories. Yeah. So I'll end today's episode with a question, quite an open ended one. But what do you think makes film or the arts or theater equipped to tell diaspora stories and portray diasporic experiences? maybe better or more uniquely than other mediums? What is it about that sensory experience of viewing a film? Hmm. I, I think uh, 
if 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 uh, diaspora is is ultimately a form of trans transporting one's identity, that that film is 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 so transportable. And even now, like uh, you know, like you can just put it up as a link, you know, and, and it's immediately there, and and you're seeing it in its form, and and, and it, it's its ability to kind of uh, project an alternate reality uh, is is really quite makes it very different from other art forms in that way. So that's how I see it, you know, and and maybe I've actually used that quite specifically in in some of my stories, like you know, where we see filmmakers sharing images or hiding images or you know uh, erasing images like I'm, I'm actually using the materiality of of cinema as a as a way of expressing uh, the sense of diasporic experience and deepa for you how what do you think and maybe there isn't anything but if there is something that makes film uniquely equipped to tell these stories how would you describe it you know, I, as Atom, and I totally agree with what you said, Atom. I mean, there is this, uh, there is this magical quality. I mean, when you look at, when you look at a silent film, there is no language. You know, it could be dubbed in whatever you could have, whatever dubbed or not dubbed or you know whatever. It's they still transport one. That it's the it's the magic of I think the images and it's the magic of collaboration, because people from all, for you know, come together to make a film. Yes, there's a director. Yes, there's a producer. But there's a cinematographer. There's a music composer. There's a production designer. There's the grip. There's a gaffer. I mean, there are people who believe in that singular vision for that particular amount of time that come together and they want to do something. And that is, for me, magical. Yeah, that's. I agree. That's really well put. Wonderful answers. And that is all we have time for today. So thank you so much to the both of you for joining us. Thank you for sharing very personal experiences and relating the arts to diaspora studies, which sometimes maybe isn't a clear link, but for us, it obviously has been today. Uh, and that wraps us up. Thank you both. Thank you. Thanks, Adam. And thank you all for listening to this episode of Dispersion a podcast by the Zorin Institute, which is a nonprofit organization that serves the cause of scholarship and public awareness relating to issues of universal human rights, genocide, and diaspora homeland relations. If you'd like to learn more about diaspora studies or about the Zorin Institute's other projects and programs, visit our website at www.zorininstitute.org. That's Z-O-R-Y-A-N. And find us across your favorite social media platforms at Zorin Institute. Next time on Dispersion, we'll be talking to two brand new guests who share with us their unique diaspora experiences, and we'll introduce you to a new concept within diaspora studies. Find Dispersion on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for listening.